Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, I'm excited tonight. We are carrying on with our being focused. You know, this has been a problem all the way since the very beginning of man. I don't know if you know it, but it happened in the garden. Like, you got to think, you, those of you who are, who are plant lovers and think of how lush the garden was and how beautiful it was. And, uh, and here, Eve and them, they've been given everything. Adam and Eve, they're, they're there. And there's only one tree that God says, hey, I mean, there's two right there in the midst. And he says, look, you can eat of all of them. Just don't touch the one. And, and, and so they had all of this to focus on. And what does the enemy do? He comes and tries to get them to focus on the one thing instead of all the rest of it. And so they, uh, uh, what? They got distracted. Could you imagine? It's like, there's all of this. Don't look. Oh, oh. Instead of going, oh, there it is again. Instead of staying focused on all, taking in all the beauty, they began to focus. And so he, he, he got them distracted. And that, that, that was the very beginning, and it's happened ever since. Like, I love what Isaiah 53 says, God speaking through Isaiah 53, 6, it says, we, like sheep, have all gone astray, each to his own way. Like, like, look, we get distracted. Oh, look at that. Oh, let's go. <laughs> let's walk over there and check that out. And it is. <laughs> Don't go over there. And we, so we can get distracted very easy. And so here we are on our 15th day of, of prayer and of, uh, of, of, of um, fasting and prayer, prayer and fasting to bring us into focus. And I hope if you haven't been participating, it's not too late. We're in the trimester. We're about to birth this thing. The third trimester, we're coming in. And tomorrow morning we'll be here at seven o'clock in the morning. If you haven't made that yet, I'm challenging you. You will, you will, you will be blessed to come out and participate with us. It's seven to eight, and um, and so as we're doing this, this the whole purpose is is to deny ourselves, to cut off the things I feel like I've got to have. Like my flesh, your flesh, our flesh screams at us and says, "You need this. You need." You ever been, uh, this has happened here recently. Now, I usually, I'm not big on restaurants. I mean, because I know that, you, we all know right now, you don't even, without any effort, you know right which side of each restaurant, if you drive down this way, you know what's sitting right where. You don't even have to think about it. You know, you go up and say, oh, here's Taco Bell, there's Wendy, there's Pizza Hut, there's McDonald's, there's Burger King, there's Kentucky Fried Chicken. Oh, there's, you know, well, the Sunrise Grill or something. Okay, and here's Crystal. You keep right on going down the road, and you can, you can, I was riding down the other day, and I was looking at each. I was like, I've never even taken a second look at Kentucky Fried Chicken, hardly. I was like, hmm, hmm. It, it happens that we can get very distracted when we start cutting ourselves off from things and we have to say, shut up flesh, that you don't get what you want. And the reason is because, spirit, you do get what you want. And I want to tell you, all of us are in a battle. Like we've got our spirit man over here that's going, come on, it's God. Excuse me, we'll put it over here. Well, you're right, my left. Okay, so it's over here. We're like, and God's saying, come on, come on. I love you. I got all you want, everything. It's full, what do you need? Grace, mercy, love, joy, peace, 
patience. Anybody ever struggle with some of those? It's all right there. But then we got this mind, will, and emotions that's right here in the middle. And then we got this flesh over here that's saying, I want what I want. I just want some more. I want another scoop. I want extra chocolate on my ice cream. I want, I want a double portion of French fries. I want, I just want everything. And, I, and then, so we can, if we're not careful, we'll get into whatever we want over here. I want to watch what I want. I want to sit and binge on movies and I want to sit, I want to sit forever and look at Facebook and scroll. What do they do? And until I get plumb dizzy watching what's everybody else doing and not doing anything ourselves. So our flesh is in there going, what's everybody doing? The spirit's going, hey, spend time with me. Come away with me. Come away with me. And so we got this battle and we always get distracted. So what we've been doing is looking at this thing called focus. We're, we're focusing not just the focus, but we're focusing on God's vision. We're pursuing God's vision is what we're doing, not mine, not yours. And it's always been from the very beginning, back as soon as Exodus, we see God's had a vision for his people. He's never wanted to leave us. He's never wanted to forsake us. He's always wanting us to draw us to himself. There's never a moment when he, when he goes, ah, what am I going to do with her? What am I going to do with her? He knows exactly if we'll turn to him. And so... In, in Proverbs 29, we've looked at it, and we're going to continue, where there's no vision, where there's no focus, where there's no uh, searching, seeking. The people are unrestrained. But happy is he who keeps the law. And then we looked at it in the message, and it says it this way. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. Like, you ever been at a place where life had really gotten hard and circumstances around you began to scream at you and say I'm bigger listen and and, and it distracts you to the point where it gets so overwhelming that it even hard to pray sometimes it's hard to look up because you feel so overwhelmed at either a situation or or a relationship it could be in any area but we get so much and so if I can't see in the middle of that it could be over a loved one. It could be any number of things. If we can't see God, what are you doing in the midst of this? We'll begin to stumble. We'll make decisions. We'll begin to, to do things that are contrary to what God wants us to do. But it says, but when they attend to what he reveals, that's when we are most blessed. When we say, God, I want what you want. <laughs> I, I don't want what I want. I want what you want more than anything. Because I know it's going to be the one that leads me to, to your, to the life everlasting as well as help those around me. And so we, we, we've said we can't just aim at anything. We can't just aim at anything. We've got to aim at the right thing. And so I can't just go and say, Oh, look, I'm going to go over here. And so we've got to stay focused on what God says. And I want to say in Luke, Jesus was very focused. The beautiful thing about him, the beautiful thing about the God man walking on this planet, he never got distracted. There were many times where things tried to, and people tried to throw him off his game. They tried to come up, and they, they threw a woman right in front of me, caught in adultery, thought, okay, we got him. We'll, we'll distract him. There are many things they tried to do to throw him off, ask him questions, you know, talking about helping my neighbor. Well, who's my neighbor? You know, you're supposed to love your neighbor. Well, who's my neighbor? 
thought they could throw him off, stayed on point all the time. So we have to aim not just at anything, at the right thing. And Jesus, in Luke chapter 5, I think he gave us a good answer when he was talking about what he came here for. Uh, they were upset at him because he was eating at a bunch of old rotten tax collector's houses. <laughs> he was at a tax collector's house, Levi's, and it was, look at him sitting there enjoying himself at those tax collectors, living it up with them. And, and they were asking him, you know, telling his disciples how dare he even do that. And he said, Jesus Antrim said, it is not for the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And he said, I've not, uh, I've not come. Now, I highlighted it to say what he did come to do. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So he says, he's put the knot. It says, I have come to call sinners to repentance. And, and sinners, meaning those who are missing it. Is there anybody here ever miss it? Anybody, I mean, you, you focus, but even still, sometimes we miss it. He said, I've called, I've come to call those who miss it to turn away and to turn towards me, and then we get it. And so that's what he's called to do, to turn us, to shift us. And then in Luke 19.10, still in the Gospel of Luke, um, it says this, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. There are people, believe it or not, right now, today, that you walk past, wherever you were at, you drove past, that don't have a clue where they're going, what they're doing, what life is even about, and they don't know God. And so it's our responsibility for us to help. We're, we're just partnering with God. We're, we're walking with Him, helping Him fulfill His vision through us, what He wants to do in the earth. We've looked at a number, we've looked at Exodus, we've looked in Isaiah. Tonight, we're going to look real quickly in Colossians, the church of Colossians. Paul wrote to them in verse chapter 1, verse 28 and 29, and he said this, He is the one, talking about Jesus, who He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully, everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ has so powerfully, Christ so powerfully works in me. So we're, I'm not operating in my own strength. Not only does he call us to do it, but he empowers us to do it as well. And so this is what that vision look, God's vision would be for us to proclaim Christ. That the anointed Christ, the anointed one, the one that came to break the bondage of sin off of our life so now we can approach God with confidence, with full assurance, knowing you want me. I've shared my testimony many times. I will never stop sharing it. I remember I love my mama, and I'll never forget when I came home, born again, come from this thing, been here about two weeks, and I I went to Jacksonville just to meet with mama. And I came, I said, Mom, I was so excited. And I said, Mom, guess what? I know for sure I'm going to heaven. Woo! You know, I'm just kind of like, yay! And my mom just is sincere and sweet, and I love her. I talked to her today, and tomorrow's her birthday. I'm going to celebrate with her. But she looked at me, and she said, Mark, nobody can know for sure they're going to heaven. That's up to God to decide. And I went, huh? <laughs> what? I mean, I knew God did something. All the stuff I was doing, 
I don't even want to do anymore. And now, God, I'm just, Lord, what, what do you want me to do? I, a complete transformation that happened. But when mama says something, you go, you can't just shake it off. You don't just go, you're, uh, really? I hadn't got that far in my walk. And you know what it, what it caused me to do? I remember leaving Jacksonville, Florida, driving up I-95 with the, the scene from Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory where the good egg and the bad egg, you know, and, and they're going up, good egg, you know, it gets to go bad egg, boom, good egg, you get to go bad egg, boom, God's deciding, oops, I'm hoping I'll be good enough so God doesn't send me out. And so I thought, I've got to do something. So I came home. The miracles of God. The second week I was here, um, some little grandma, I'm sitting at the very back, uh, and this little grandma comes and walks up to me. I'd never seen her. I hadn't seen her since. She didn't leave her name in the Bible. I believe it could have been an angel dropping something off. But she handed me a brand new Thompson Chain Reference Study Bible. It was my second Sunday. I didn't have a Bible. I didn't tell anybody I didn't have a Bible. I was just happy to be at church. I was like, man, I... I'd be doing a whole lot worse things right now. I'm just happy being here. Woo! And she came up and, and she handed me this brand new Bible in the, in the box and said, God told me to give you this. And he told me to tell you, you're going to be a mighty warrior for the kingdom of God. And I know in her mind, she probably thought, oh, in my mind, I'm going, I'm just happy to be here. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't even know the treasure she gave me. But God used that. The, the moment I got that, that's when I first began to do what, what I now know as a word study. They had these things in the back, y'all. <laughs> this glossary of terms. And so I looked up saved, salvation. And I'm like, there's a lot of things God says about that. And I began to discover that. And as I did, I recognized He wanted us. He, God already determined 2,000 years ago He wanted me on His team. It's no longer up. He already decided, now it's my decision. He put the ball in my court. You want to come? Come on. And so, many of y'all know the story. I went home to, to share this newfound revelation. This is three months after I'd already memorized Scripture. I'd already got it down. God, and I went home, and I even broke out our Catholic Bible. It was about this big and dusty and had pictures in it and I broke it out and I said, Mama, let me show you something. I got, I found some stuff. And I went to John 1 and I went to Rome. I didn't even know there was a such thing as a Romans road. I went to Romans 3, Romans 5, Romans 6, Romans 10. I went it all over. I went to 1 John. We're going to look at that in a minute. But I was, I was going through it. And my mom, with every one of them, she would say, well, that's saved from things here on this earth. That's saved from trouble. That's saved from this. And when I... Each one of them. And so finally, I, I got her with one and she just stopped and closed the Bible and said, I don't want to talk anymore. And I went, what? <laughs> what not, that is not how I pictured that in my head. <laughs> I was thinking she was going to love it the same way I loved it. She's going to get excited. I don't want to talk about it. And as a result, my mother wouldn't talk to me for about six months. <laughs> Didn't want to talk to me. And I, I was hurt. I was crushed. But what I finally did, I went back down there and I had to make up for my mistake because, see, this is something we need to learn. People just want a drink of water. They don't want a fire hose. And so what I had done, I had got a fire hose and I said, Mama, 
I was letting her have it. I'm like, she just wanted to just give me a little drink. So I thought I'll break out the sip. And I'm like, hey, mom, what did I do? You're not talking. I know what you're doing. You're ignoring. I know when you ignore me. We were one. What happened? And this was her exact words to me, verbatim. She said, I'm not leaving the Catholic Church. I said, what? You're not doing what? I said, who asked you to leave the Catholic Church? (laughs) I don't remember even mentioning Catholic Church. I never even said anything about church. I was talking about Jesus. And she goes, well, your sister did it. And now you did it. I said, oh, no, Mom. I'm still a part of the Catholic Church in the sense of Catholic. (laughs) She goes, what? I said, Mom, you know that Catholic means universal, worldwide. I'm a part of the universal church of Jesus Christ. Like, it's all one. We're only, there's only one. <laughs> and so that kind of loosened her up a little bit. And then so we did. We're able to talk. And she said, so what is it? You, I said, Mom, I just want to make sure you know that you know that you know that, that you're going to heaven. That you wouldn't go through all that you're doing and not connect with him. And, and right there, I said, if you ever proclaim, I said, I know you love him. I know you, you serve him. I said, have you ever just said, I, you're my Lord and my Savior. That you just ever say, Lord, I... I give it all to you. She goes, well, I think I demonstrate that. <laughs> I said, well, you do, but have you ever vocalized that? Because the Bible says we believe in our heart, but we confess with our mouth. That was one of the scriptures three, you know, six months earlier. I, I laid on her. And uh, so as a result, she goes, well, no. I said, well, can we? Right there. We, my, 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 one of my first converts and to this day, she still reads her Bible. We have a great, you know, I talk to her every night, and it's a beautiful thing. So God's vision's always been proclaim Christ, admonish them. Once they receive Christ, then we've got to train. We know we admonish them, we, we help them, then we teach and train, and then we help them reach their potential. That's what we've looked at in Ephesians 1, 17 through 19. This is one that I pray for you, and I pray over you. I want us all to have this. It says, I ask and I ask the God of our Master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing Him personally. My mother knew about Him, but she knows Him personally now. I mean, she hears from heaven, and she quotes Scripture to me. Like, I I had a religion class. I passed every year from kindergarten to 12th grade, and I could not quote one Bible verse. And I couldn't quote one. And I'm like, I learned a lot about a church, but I didn't learn anything about Jesus, the head of the church. And so I, God wants us to know him personally. And then he said, you're, so that your eyes are focused and cleared. In other words, we, we, even when we come to Christ, we still have a past. And if we don't get that past, if we don't get past our past, it stays our future. And so helping settle our past, and that's what these small groups are designed to do is to help walk that out and settle our yesterdays so we can get our, you know, get our glasses all clear. We say, oh, yeah, God. So why? So that you can see exactly what it is he's calling you to do. If we don't do this, listen, this is the challenge if we don't do this. We will be operating out of guilt and shame. You ever did something, when you were little, remember when you did something and, and it was mischievous and and you snuck around and you did get your hand in the cookie jar and it didn't get caught. They just noticed there weren't cookies. And they began to ask, where did the cookies go? Who, you know, who stole cookies from the cookie jar? And you know, you knew it was you. And you got that guilty look like, 
I didn't do it. No, not me. You know, if we're not careful, if we don't first know him personally and then get our past cleared, we'll operate in that guilt and shame and think, if I do more, God will love me more. And it'll be a religious activity the same way the religious people of Jesus' day was. And we don't ever want to be that way. So we get our eyes focused so we can see exactly what he's calling us to do, calling you to do, and then grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life. Like, y'all, you remember, please don't ever, remember what it was like before Jesus? Remember what your life was like before the surrender came? What the stress, the worry, the doubt, the fear, the, fr- the frustration, not knowing what's going to happen next, just on a rope, you know, a merry-go-round, just to sling you off, you try to grab back a hole. Just, it was a mess. And this glorious way of life, even though it's, there's battles and struggles, it's like, Lord, thank you. And so we've, we've come up with these four, we didn't come up, we've discovered them, and, and we've adopted the language of this to help people Put it in simple terms, not religious, simple terms. Like number one is no God. Like, so we used, we'd say reach the lost, but really they don't want a theological discussion. They just want to, they just want to know God. How, tell me how to know God. How do I do that? And so that's the scripture verse I used for my mom to help her know God was 1 John 5, 13. It says this, I write these things to you, my, to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know you have eternal life. That one blew a gasket. It blew a gasket in my mom's head. She's like, because as soon as she got to the word, so this was, this was pre, (laughs) this was pre when I first broke out the the fire hose on her. And as soon as she got, I didn't even say anything. I said, mom, I saved it for the end. I was like, mom, mom, you read, you read this one. You know how you do that? It's like, here, I want you to read it. And so when I did, I was like, "Mm -hmm, you get this. And she was started reading. She goes, I write these things to you believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know. She instantly stopped and said, that's if you think. I said, what? Read the rest. She's, no, that's if you feel. I said, Mama says no. And I want to challenge you. God does not want us wondering if we're on the team. <laughs> you, he wants you all in like, hey, get in here. You apart. I want you. I, I'm all in for you. Come on. And so that's the first one is knowing God. The second one, we looked at last week, finding freedom. And freedom is something God has for everybody. He wants every one of us free. The people right now strung out, the people that aren't a part of us. And that's what we're trying to do is help get focused, not just what's here, but what's not here. Not just at who's here, but who's not here. I've got friends right now, I've got relatives that are generally close to this area that aren't here that need to be here. And I'm doing everything I can. I had, we, I had a lot, a lot of fun yesterday at my mom's birthday party. Hey, where are you at? How's it going? It's going great, but not nearly as good if you were here. <laughs> it's going great, man. I could sure you, you want me there? You better believe I do. Trying to get my nieces and all my, I'm trying to get them all in here. Not gonna stop. And so when we find freedom, this is where God uses he wants us to have it. Matter of fact, Galatians 5.1 says it this way. It is for freedom. Like the whole reason, Jesus, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. That's what he wants us to do. Not walking in guilt and fear and shame, but walking in freedom. And it says, stand firm then and do not be, let yourselves be burdened or yoked again to a yoke of slavery. Don't, don't allow this thing of, of, of doing instead of being. 
Like our doing should always be out of our being, not reversed. In other words, it's not what I do that makes me right. It's because of what he's done that makes me right. And so I become with him and I, I, through what he's done, I'm free for that. And I'm actually to walk with, I'm actually able to walk with him because of what he's given to me, the grace and the power and the, and the gifts that he's given me. And so tonight we're looking at and, and carrying on from this morning, discovering purpose. So everybody needs to know God. Everybody needs to find freedom and everybody needs to discover purpose. Like the first one, and by the way, I've, I've got to reiterate and reiterate. If the first one isn't there, the other three don't make sense. In other words, if you try to find freedom without knowing God, you'll be miserable. You'll you'll be like you'll be like on a hamster wheel. You know, I'm trying to get there. I'm all, I'm over there. No, 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 no. I'm over there. It'll be continually trying, but it won't be there. If you if you if you don't get the knowing God, so if I try to discover purpose, it's going to be for me. It's not going to be for Him. What I can do, it'll be look at me, look at what I can do. Instead of look at Him, look what He can do. And so that's why it's got to be first. And so maybe you've got friends that you're trying to share with and they haven't surrendered their life and they're just not getting it. And, and you keep talking about different things and they're just like, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I hear you. But I hear you say the, the number 47. It's like, I, I just keep hearing you say 47. 47. And if y'all want to know what 47 is, it means nothing. I don't know what 47. But to them, it's like, I don't know what it means. Because it might mean something to you, but it doesn't mean anything to me. Because I don't know God yet. That's what First Corinthians says. The, the natural man doesn't perceive the things of God. They're foolishness to him. And so until they become born again... The, the find freedom and this discover purpose becomes purposeless instead of purposeful, full of purpose. So let's go on this journey real quick. Um, so number one that we got to know is the Holy Spirit is the one that empowers us to be different so that we can make a difference. In other words, I'm not in, in, in my own effort, even though I've given my life to Christ, I still rely on him 100 percent. Like his Holy Spirit in here is the thing that works out the Spirit of God working in me that works through me. He makes, he empowers me to be different. He empowers you to be different so that we can make a difference. So I'm not relying on the flesh. I'm relying on the Spirit. That's what we're doing. We got seven more days to do it. If you haven't fasted, start now. Jump in. Go ahead and start denying yourself. Start going after. Release something so we can get more from him. You ever had your arms so full of stuff? You've been carrying stuff and you can't grab anymore. And then you bump into stuff and you drop stuff and you make a mess of things because you tried to carry too much. Sometimes it's best to just set stuff down and go, hey, I'll carry this one thing. If I'm carrying too much, I need to set it down so I can be open. Lord, what do you want me to carry instead of me just carrying a bunch of stuff, doing a bunch of stuff? So that's why the Holy Spirit empowers us. And 1 Peter 4.10 says it this way, and we'll, we'll come back. We're going to end with this. We're going to start and end with it. It says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. And so these gifts, that word gift, we know it's called charisma. It's where we get the word charismatic. And it is a, it, it, charisma is the same thing. Every church, by the way, whether they know it or not, there's charismatic. Just not, not going to put that on because if you call, I'm not charismatic. 
Like, but they are because they believe in gifts. Like, they believe in the gift of salvation. They believe in, in, in other gifts. They believe in the gift of prayer. They believe in the gift of faith. They believe in other gifts. There's just one that they really struggle with. We're not going to go there tonight. But, so, charisma, and this is what the word really means. It's a supernatural enablement. Like, God, before you even come to Christ, you've already been given this gift. You, like, the gifts of God are without repentance. They're already there. And so, it's just when we come in relationship, we get to use that. And so, a super, a gift is a supernatural divine enablement. And so, with these gifts, there's three things we're supposed to do with them. Number one is we got to discover the gifts God has for me. Okay? Once I know God, once I discover freedom, now it's up to me to go on this journey and say, hmm, what do I get to do? I'm excited. What do I get to do? I'm ready. Put me in, coach. I'm ready. What? You know, and this is where we go with the Holy Spirit. Lord, show me. And so in Romans chapter 12, verse 6, it says we have different charisma according to the charis, the supernatural enablement given to each of us. So in Romans 12, 6, there's, there's at least 27 spiritual gifts that we read in the New Testament. And so God wants to use all of them, and I've got to have each one of them. We've all got to come discover them so that we can all come together and use them. And so... Psalms uh, 139, um, Pastor Mark Anthony used that this morning, and I want to look at it again. It says, because when we look at it and you say, for you created my inmost being, that's not talking about your colon. It's not talking about the inside. It's literally the very core of your being. Like, you created my inmost, that's where the gifts of God are. That's where, that's where personality comes from. Like, some people wonder why they are the way they are, why some, you know, we've used the term like extrovert, task oriented, introvert, but really, it's why you are. It's your, 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 your emotional DNA, your, your social DNA, just like your physical DNA. Like, when you got this DNA strand that runs throughout, throughout your body in every cell, and it tells how high your color of eyes, how high, how tall, all of the different things that makes up you. Well, you got the same thing spiritually. You've been given gift that is yours. And God wants you to use it. And he said, you knit me together in my mother's womb. So he did that at the very beginning. And then it goes on. Again, it says, "All uh, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are, say that word with me. When David said that, your works are wonderful, he was praising God for how wonderful he was made. Many of us, we agree with the devil, and we think how terrible we've been made. And we think, man, God, you made a big mistake with me. I mean, other people are wonderful, but I'm not so much. And David said, look, I praise you because I'm fearfully, and I'm full of wonder. And I know some of them, I know if you were like me, I, I kept everybody in full of wonder when I was younger. <laughs> they wondered, what's he going to do next? It was full of wonder, wonderful. <laughs> and now it's still, Lord, full of wonder. Lord, what do you got for me to do today? What is it that I'm going to be able to co- connect with you? Who are you going to send my way that I can impact for your kingdom and for your glory? So when he says we're full of wonder, your works are wonderful, 
I know that full well. Like, you want to do some wonderful works through me. I know it full well. And then he goes on to say, all the days. Everybody say all the days. Not some of them, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. You know what? This is where the enemy comes in because if you're like me, some of you say, God, you're doing okay, but I'm going to take the pen and I got a few chapters. I'm going to write my own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we started writing and we started going and doing it. And you're like, ooh, I want to take those chapters out. Can we rip those out? And God says, no, I'm going to use them in your story to tell other people about my story. And so we've taken it, even when the, even when we took the pen out of his hand and wrote our own, took a few pages and wrote our own, he said, look, I've still, my plan doesn't change. All the days, they're still ordained to make a difference. And so that's where we get to discover that. And God wants us to do that. So the second, so the first thing we have to discover the gifts, the second thing we have to develop the gifts. And that's on my part. So when I discover, if I'm discovering gifts, I'm going after God. Show me, Lord. I want to see. I want to know. Not just sitting around hoping. And that's why we do have our growth track. If you haven't been there, if you haven't done the personality, if you haven't done the spiritual gift assessment, I encourage you. Come be a part of that. It'd be incredible. You'll be blessed. I promise you. And then, uh, so when we develop these gifts, this is, this is how this happened. Uh, Paul wrote to, in 1 Corinthians talking about gifts. If you get a chance, look at 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 13, and 1 Corinthians 14 together. If you read 12, you'll see the gifts of the Spirit. It actually talks about the body. It talks about using the gifts of the Spirit as well as the human body. It says, look, just like we all don't have the same, you know, every body part can't be the same. Well, every gift can't be the same. And so just like your body, you have eyes, you have ears, you have a mouth, you have all of these they have to be connected and work together. And so it's, it's brought in that. And so verse 13, 12 talks about the gifts, the power gifts, talks about the oral gifts, talks about miracles. It talks about all the nine gifts. And then 13 talks about the motivation behind them, the love that we got to have for it. And then 14 comes along, verse 1, and says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. That... My heart needs to be, I'm following love. I mean, that's what I'm after, but I'm eagerly, Lord. I, it's up to me to desire that. And I challenge, I hope I'm stirring up like, I want you to go. He's got that, I want you to discover it, and I want you to develop it. And this is what Paul uh, wrote to his young, uh, his young pastor that he was mentoring Timothy. In 2 Timothy 1.6, he says, uh, he tells him, for this reason I remind you to fan in the flames. The gift of God which is in you. And how do we fan into flames this gift? How do we, how do we get it go from a little ember to think you gotta blow on it? And how do you blow on it? Anybody ever try to start a fire? You get this little thing. And you try and you, you gotta get some fodder. You gotta get some up. Oh, you can't just have one. You gotta get some other stuff around. So you got to get a little worship in here. And you go, oh, oh yeah, whoo. That worship gets going. you got to get the word going. You start getting some scripture memory in here. Whoo, it starts going and you start memorizing it. It starts coming to mind. And then you get some, you get around with other believers and you start fellowship and talking about the goodness. Of, and all of a sudden, before you know it, it gets, whoo. 
You know, some of y'all got to be careful. Y'all ever come up here to the church and, um, and, and it might be, it might be one light on the back side of this building, the very corner and all the other, all the other, uh, building is kind of dark and the windows are real silent. And in that one, they might be reverberating on. I bless the, I, I said, Lord, I need, I need this worship thing. And so I went and got this speaker system and I, it's like, whoo. The, the office, I, when I first broke it out, everybody could hear it all over the office. My son came in and said, Dad, Parker's just called and said, you need to turn it down. I said, what? He said, Parker's down the street. They just complained and said, you need to turn that thing down. I was like, okay, I'll turn it up. And so I, it's like, that's where we get the worship, just coming in and, and we get the word and we, we fan in the flame. The gift of God that's in here. And we allow Him to begin to, to capture our hearts and our minds. That Lord, it's all about you. I want to be used by you. And then so we, we, we discover, we develop, and then we got to deploy. Like once I got it, once I've already discovered what my gift is, and then I begin to develop it, it it's kind of like anything else. Like 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 a naval ship, they don't sit here and build this thing, and they get it all ready to go, and then they just sit at the dock. Okay, well it's ready. It's got to get out to sea. It's got to go do what it was intended to do. It's got to go do damage to the devil's kingdom. And so this is what's happened. We got to make sure that it's not just simply in these four walls that happens. When we deploy the gifts of God in me, it happens out on the street. It happens in here, but it also happens out there. Actually, I find it happens more out there because they're just hungry like, what? When they begin to sense and see what God's doing. That's, that's what was the case with the apostles as well. And so when we talk about deploying these gifts, when we talk about using them, this is where we have to recognize once again, it's Christ in me. It's not me doing something for Christ. It's Christ doing something for me, doing something in me so he can do something through me. It's not me taking any credit, any glory. It's all because of him. And we get to celebrate. Now, for some of y'all, that might be a little scary. But for me, it's exciting because I know what I can and can't do. And I'm excited because anything, Lord, it's, you're just that good. And you just, I just trust you that much. And so it's important when we're talking about deploying the gifts. And, we're, and like I told you, we're going to start with 1 Peter and we're going to end with 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. God has given each of you a gift from His great variety. And I love that. Don't limit Him. And by the way, I'm going to shock you, but some of you got more than one. <laughs> what? Oh, Yeah. The Holy Spirit can use them. Jesus operated in all of them. And so don't ever limit him and say, well, this is my gift. Yeah, this might be one, but he might want to use another one. And he may use you and you may discover. That's why you want to keep developing. You want to keep growing. You want to keep fanning in the flame from his great variety of spiritual gifts. And this is what this is what it's all about. Use them well to keep to yourself and enjoy and have your own Holy Ghost party so you feel good and you feel all good and you got the Holy Ghost goosebumps and you just sit there going, oh, I feel so good. Jesus, you say, you say, you say, and nobody else gets to experience that. 
I want everybody to experience the joy of knowing Jesus. But they'll never experience the joy of knowing Jesus until you experience the joy of knowing Jesus. That it's that, he loves you that much and he has that much to think. He wants us, he wants, he wants to take the gifts he's given us by grace. And he wants us to use them to serve one another. To impact people's lives. That's going to be next week. Next week y'all are in for a treat. One of our elders, Elder Eads, E.E., is going to be doing the make a difference. It's going to be, I'm excited. And so I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging us tonight that this is, I know when, when, when I make the announcement, hey, when I made the announcement, you know, we've got, you know, this week and next week, and it's like, what? No Sunday night? What? I'm going to tell you. Let me tell you something. There was a church in California, maybe you've heard of this guy named Rick Warren. Uh, they had a, they, they had a few more than we have. They had like 3,000 that were attending their service. And he said, you know what? God had told them, we gotta stop it because they were connecting with one person, one man. And he said, I need to get them connected with each other because it's the body of Christ. So, so thinking of gifts, so if your gift, if, if you're a hand and that's your gift, you have to find an arm. And the problem is you don't find an arm in this setting. You, you can't find an arm in this setting. You, you hear, see, so we were never to be professional sermon listeners. That's, that's not what we're supposed to be is professional sermon. I'm a professional sermon listener. I can, I can critique the best of them and I can receive and I can do. It, we're literally the body of Christ. And so if I gotta, if I'm a hand, I gotta find an arm. If I'm an arm, I gotta find it. I gotta find the, the, the humerus. I gotta, I gotta find the shoulder. I got we gotta get connected. And the only way that happens is in a small group where we're able to do it. And so, so that's the only way we build the body and we operate together and we serve one another. And this is, this is, this is what it's, this is what I want to leave us with. God hasn't simply called us to be faithful. He has. He's called us to be faithful. Like He wants to be faithful in prayer, faithful in love, faithful in truth, faithful in friendship, faithful in all that. He's called us also to be fruitful. And so this is where fruit, this is where we, we have to get harvest-minded. And I believe through this prayer and fasting, I believe God's trying to get things, blockages out of our mind that somehow it's all about me and I've got to begin to focus outward to say there are people that are never going to get the experience and, and I'm not even talking hell I had somebody recently that that texted me about hell and they had heard something that that um that hell was um you know there are people now that have they're trying to it's it's nothing new they're trying to say there's not such thing as a literal hell and I'm like okay you you can believe that I, I hope you don't go out of here with that thought you know because I don't want you to find that out, and God doesn't want to either. Um, hell wasn't made for man, and man wasn't made for hell. That what there was never when God was putting us, when God was knitting us together in, his, in our mother's womb, He wasn't going, mm-hmm. "Ooh, there's barbecue." No, He was never. He was never thinking that it was made for evil to do away with evil once and for all, and that's what we've called the ministry of reconciliation to call people out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so we can focus on hell. And they were saying, maybe you ought to preach on hell more. I said, oh, you're wanting me to scare the 
hell out of people. And I'm like, no, I want to impart the heaven into people. Because once you're connected with Jesus, hell is no longer reality. I'm not worried. Hell is not something I'm sitting there going, oh no. I'm going, okay, Lord, let's focus on you. And we're populating hell. We're plundering hell and populating heaven. And so we got to keep always our focus that way. We're going that way. Yes, is there a real hell? I, I, I have fun talking to people about that. But it's not from the sense of I'm trying to scare them. That's not what God's intention was. God, when, he, when Jesus spoke of hell, he wasn't trying to say, yeah, I'm going to scare you real bad. He was teaching them a truth that, yes, when he, in Luke 16, when he talks about Lazarus and the rich ruler, he was giving them truth. And But we have to realize it's about being fruitful, faithful and fruitful, that we've got to realize fruitfulness is when we go out there and reap the harvest. The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest for the harvest. Pray for laborers. Goes back to that's why I pray that you would know him personally, that your eyes would be open, that you can see clearly what he wants you to do. I mean, you know, man, this is what I'm called to do. I don't want to try to do, I want to do that. I want to do exactly what he's called me to do. And then we get to this glorious way of life. We get to watch people come in, transform their lives change because everybody, it's not one person trying to do it. It's everybody trying to do it. It's a, it, it, we're, it's a community. It's all of us together so that we use them well to serve one another. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord God. You would bow your heads. Father, I do thank you right now for your word. Lord, I thank you that these precious saints here, that Lord, you have so much, you've already done so much in our lives and you continue. It's not a bother to you, Lord. You have unlimited resources. You, like you have unlimited grace, unlimited love. There's, there's nothing, your meter never goes down. There's never a depletion. Lord, there, there's not even a, where it pulls out. Lord, you, are, you stay full. And Lord, so there's no lack on your part. Lord, I thank you for anybody in here that's in any way experiencing, Lord, that, that feeling of somehow they can't get close enough or somehow they're not able to do or that somehow they've been forgotten or, or somehow they made a mistake and they took and wrote the chapters and now your book is no longer prevalent and it's no longer the, the number one thing. Lord, I thank you that tonight, that Lord, all the days, that, Lord, we won't miss one day that you've ordained for us to live. And we won't miss one assignment that you've ordained for us to take and to, to use for your glory. That we'll be able to make a difference in people's lives. And we'll be able to discover all that you've done and continue to do in and through us. Lord, I thank you for blessing us tonight with your presence. Holy Spirit, thank you for the gifts that you continually pour in. Lord, help us to be fully aware and fully engaged in what you're saying and what you're doing. Praise the Lord. So if you'll stand up with me at this time, I want to speak the high priestly blessing over you. And I'll be available here to pray with anybody that would like to pray, who needs prayer. Anoint you with oil. And just believe God with you and for you. If you'd open your hands to the Lord and receive from Him. Father God, you're the creator of the universe. Lord, you're the one who commanded blessings to be spoken over your people, that your name might be placed on them 
And you in turn would do the blessing. So I say to each one of you, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift the light of His countenance on you and give you His eternal awesome peace. In Jesus' name, amen.